are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Praise the Lord. Are you glad you're in church today? Amen. So am I. Well, I'm going to begin reading from Matthew chapter 25. We'll do verses 14 to 29. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and a bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their ability. Then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you have gave me five bags of silver to invest. I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Uh, you have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops where you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To to those who use well what they are given, Even more will be given, and they will have abundance. But from those who do nothing, even that little they have will be taken away. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would just bless your word to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's uh, the time of year again when we uh, do a teaching on stewardship. And uh, the portion of Scripture that I just read in the King James, it goes like this. 
For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants, his own servants, and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. And there's some things I just want us to look at here. First of all, the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And another thing is, he distributed to his own servants. And uh, we are God's servants. Amen? And uh, he has given us gifts, many different kinds of gifts, um, not only monetary gifts. He has given us health. He has given us um, uh, uh, talents and, um, and, and uh, spiritual gifts. And, uh, but he has given all these things to us according to our ability. And so uh, what I may be able to do, you may never be able to do because God didn't make you that way. There's lots of things that you can do that I can't do because God didn't make me that way. But he distributes to us the things that, that he knows we are capable of doing because he made us. So in this message today, I'd like to, to share with you from, from this parable of the talents a kingdom truth. And that is, we are stewards, not owners. We are stewards even of our own bodies. Amen? When we come to the full understanding and the commitment of what this implies in our life, we will see to a greater measure God's kingdom authority and power in our own lives. In this parable, we must ask ourselves this question. What is God talking about here? Is it how well we make financial investments? I think not. I believe it is how well we manage and use what he has given us for his honor and glory. Um, throughout this message, we'll see this uh, answer emerge, I'm sure. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And that is very important to remember. A very important point to remember is that in all of this, we are God's property. The Bible tells us that we are not our own. We belong to God. And so everything we do, we need to keep in mind that we must steward God's property in an honorable way. We have been redeemed, the Bible tells us, in 1 Peter chapter, chapter 1, that we've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. Our father, Abraham, or our father um, Adam sold us out. And, and uh, because of Adam's sin, we all by nature are sinners. But Jesus bought us back. Amen? And so we have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. And now we are stewards or trustees or managers 
of that which God has given us to carry out his will, not ours. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, Paul, write, writing to the Corinthians, and he, sa- he asked this question. He says, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? Our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. He says, because of this, you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God's. God owns us, body and spirit. Or as we would say in Newfoundland, lock, stock, and barrel. This means that God has a very personal interest in what happens to you and I. We're his property. This also means that when Satan attacks you and I, he's attacking God's property. And God don't stand for that. God is on my side. God is on your side. The bottom line is, it's all about him. It's about his will his plan, his purpose. And when we fit into his will and his plan and his purpose, we experience tremendous blessing because then we find ourselves in the center of his will. When we do God's will and follow his plan and purpose, it works out in our favor. We experience open heaven and overflowing blessing for body, soul, and spirit. However, no financial scheme can compare to God's master plan for financial success. If you and I tithe and give faithfully, the Father will abundantly provide all that we need. And the Bible says that if we desire to give to his work, he will always make sure that we have something to give. It doesn't make sense, really, in the, in the natural realm, but it works. And a lot of people around here have found that to be true. I don't need to preach this message today to get people to give more. It's a, a known fact that this is one of the, the best giving churches in Coal Lake. Um, Because we have learned that giving of the tithe and giving generously in offerings pays great dividends. Um, God's plan differs from the world's plan. Now, The world system is based upon buying and selling. And we are a part of the world system. And so, uh, we are very much involved in that. But also, there is the kingdom principle. God's kingdom operates on the principle of giving and receiving. 
And born-again believers should be very much a part of that. The Lord wants us to be givers. We shouldn't view ourselves as reservoirs stockpiling money for our selfish desires. But we should view ourselves as channels willing to share with others. You will never find yourself without. You will never find yourself lacking if you are a person that loves to give. In God's plan, plan, believers receive in order to share. We We should give to our church, to missions, to work around the world, and to those who are in need. You know, many times we may come across as you got to give to the church. you got to give to this. you got to give to that. All within the confines of the church. But that's only a part of it. The Bible says to bring the tithe into the storehouse, but there's a whole world outside of our door. Neighbors next door to us, down the street. People that we work with who are in desperate need. And they have many different kinds of needs. They need financial help. They need uh, guidance. They need uh, counsel. There's a whole lot of things, there's a whole lot of needs in our community. And we are responsible for that. It is great when, when when the congregation gives enough so that we have enough to pay all of the different expenses of the church and reach out in a benevolence to people in the community. Do you know that already this year, this church has given over $7,000 in benevolence to people in need? And that's because of your generous giving. But even over and above that, there will be times when you and I will have an opportunity to give five, ten, fifteen, twenty, a hundred dollars to somebody who really needs it. I was just talking to after the first service. Uh, I was talking to a young man, and he told me how he he met with a a couple, and the the, the young fellow was the, the the husband was in the hospital, and the woman uh, didn't really have enough money to go back and forth to the hospital to visit her husband, and he had a hundred dollars on him, and he pulled out his wallet and gave the $100 to her to help her. That's what I'm talking about. Being our brother's keeper. Reaching out where we can. You see, God blesses you just as much if you give $50 to your neighbor as if you give $50 to the church. Amen? There is a blessing provided for that. It says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and running over, shall men give into your bosom. With the same measure that you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Now for the tithe, there's a, there's a multiplied blessing. He says, try me in this. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. And see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so large that you will not have room enough to contain it. 
The Lord has given us the principle of giving and receiving. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom, for with the same measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. So we need to choose to view our bank account as a channel rather than a reservoir. You know, when the doctor says you only have a month to live, a million dollars is not going to be worth very much to you. You might have a million dollars for your family to fight over, but it's over for you unless God chooses to heal you. But when we're living, we can make sure that we are being good stewards of what God has entrusted us with. The storehouse is a place where God desired, designed to bring the tithe. And so the element of, of uh, God's financial plan is 10% of our income to the Lord's work. But we also believe in, in giving 10% of our time and our talent to the Lord as well. So when we're talking about being good stewards, we're talking about being stewards of our time, our talent, and our things. And so the, the Bible says in, in, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now the storehouse mentioned here is in Malachi, is the temple. The church serves the same purpose for the Christian today. 10% is a good start, but it, it's not intended as the final goal. Amen. Now, uh, we need to understand something. We're not talking law here. When, when, when God spoke to the children of Israel concerning this, they were bound by law to give. We are bound by love today to give. We are under grace today. God is not saying if you don't give, then you won't get to heaven. But he has, he has set up some principles in order for his people, his servants, to experience abundant blessing, body, soul, and spirit. There's nowhere in the New Testament that tells us we have to tithe. But there's nowhere in the New Testament that tells us we shouldn't. In fact, we do hear Jesus commending the Pharisees for tithing. He said, you're leaving the important things out. He said, but you should. He said, you should care for the needy and all of this. He said, but you should also tithe. But that's the only place where we see it. 
The storehouse is the temple, and so the, the, we don't have the temple, but we do have churches, and the church, the place where, where we are spiritually fed, that's where we should be tithing. It's not to the evangelist on TV. It's not to the church where you like their music and their singing, but it's not really your church home. So if you came from someone else, uh, your own church, your, your regular church, and, and the pastor's been preaching something that you don't like, and you say, well, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go over to Colate Community Church for a while. Well, your tithe still belongs to your home church. That's the way we do it. That's the way we believe in it. Amen? The early church tithe, they, sold, they even sold their possessions and, and donated the proceeds. But let's look at the, look, look at the, pro, the, the, the purpose of tithing. <clears throat> you see, I named a number of the things there. People look at churches sometimes and say, well, you know, like, what are they doing with all of the money? Well, this will give you an idea. In operating a church, when we were just a little church of 27 people, I think the, the PAOC gave us $20,000 to go towards my salary, and I think together with that, we only, it was probably $60,000 was what we took in for the whole, for the whole year. But the larger the church gets, the larger the bills get. Operating and administration, it costs money. Maintenance and repairs, salaries and government deductions, ministry departments and curriculum, benevolence, evangelism and outreach, tithes and missions. And then there's a whole host of other things as well. But these are the sort of things that you're, you're, you're paying towards when you pay your tithe. And then it also demonstrates God's faithfulness. Because when we give, God gives back in many different ways. Maybe you don't need God to give you a cent. But maybe you need Direction in your life. Maybe you need healing in your marriage, healing uh, in your family. Maybe you need wisdom to make some very important decisions. Healing in your body. There's so many ways that God can bless us. And he do. As a, but when God do bless us and people begin to see what God is doing in your life, it's a testimony. It's a testimony of God's faithfulness. You've been faithful to God. Now God's been faithful to you. And people begin to understand, hey, this really works. I know this, pe this person when. But there's a difference in his life. There's a difference in her life. And I can see it. Then, the result. One of the results is prosperity. And again, I, I just want to emphasize, when I say prosperity, I'm not just saying money. 
I put, I put a, a picture of money there because that comes in everybody's mind when you think of prosperity. But you can be rich in faith. You can be rich in a, in a healthy family life. There's so many different things. And so God prospers us. Abundant blessings result from faithful giving. And then there's protection. When God is your financial manager, he guards your supply. As you give, the Father generously provides all you need. And all you want to give, he will make sure you get it. Plenty. He will give you plenty. If money is tight, don't try to figure out if you can afford to tithe. Just give anyway. Give to the Lord anyway. And watch him provide. Your budget might not work out on paper, but you will experience his provision if you will be obedient. We have a number of uh, born-again accountants in this church. Every one of them are tithers because they understand how important it is to follow God's financial plan. And then personal witness. Following God's financial plan is a great stress reliever. It brings peace and contentment as you respond in faith. It takes the worry out of finances because you know your supplier, you know your source. You're not depending on the company that you work for anymore. You're not depending on the government anymore. You've got a God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think. The change in your life provides a wonderful opportunity for you to testify about the blessings of obeying scriptural principles. And someone has said, and I, I like the quote, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. You can argue all you like that this doesn't work, but you're too late. I've been trying this for as long as I've been managing money, and managing my life, and I know it works. Scripture clearly reveals that our body does not belong to us. Yet the responsibility for the care of our body resides with us. If I eat all the foods that I like, some of those foods are not good for me. And eventually, 
it's going to take some years off my life. So if I die at 110, you'll say, man, if he had to eat differently, he could have probably lived to 150. You've got to think positive, right? The changes in your life is amazing what God can do. As a professing Christian and a good steward, we have the responsibility to carefully maintain our bodies because they're the temples of God. What we are given is God's responsibility. God decides what he's going to give me. God decides the talents and the giftings that I have. But it is my responsibility to steward those giftings according to his will. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much will be required. So as I close, the underlying principles of Christian stewardship is this. Number one, God owns all things. God owns it all, even our bodies. Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those that dwell therein. He owns it all. Secondly, stewardship is a sacred trust. 1 Corinthians 4, 2 It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. You and I are stewards of what God has given us, and he wants us to be faithful. Number three, every believer has a personal responsibility. Luke 19, 13, he called his ten servants, delivered them ten pounds each, and said to them, Occupy till I come. Occupy. Or use what I have given you until I come. Every one of us. There's never a time in our life when we give up being a steward. When I was much younger, I planned to retire at 55 and go to the Okanagan and live like a king. But God had other plans. I'll be 71 in December, and I'm still being a steward of what God has entrusted me with. Every believer, every steward will give an account of his or her stewardship. Romans 14, 2. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to who? God. Well, that's the word, folks. When you preach the word, you don't have to apologize for anything. Amen? I know it's true. I've proven it. It's worked in my life. And it's worked in a lot of people that I know. And so I know it'll work for you.
put it to the test and see what God will do. Amen? And those of you who found that it works, encourage your brother, encourage your sister, encourage your neighbor because they're missing out on tremendous blessing. You think you're blessed now? Wow, you ain't seen nothing yet. Lord bless you. Have a great day in Jesus. Have a great week. Those of you who are uh, pushing 50 and over, why don't you come out and have a bit of fun with us tonight as we have our uh, little potluck meal and then we do some other things in, in Koinonia, Adult Fellowship. Lord bless you. I'll be praying for you this week. Amen. Anyone who needs prayer today, you come. We'll pray. Doesn't that do even remotely relate to anything we've talked about this morning? Our God is a big God. If you've got a need, he's got a solution. Amen? Praise the Lord. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.